Hey folks, welcome to Venture Boldly, the podcast of the Discover Kalispell Chamber, your go-to source for all you need to know about what's happening in the business and local communities right here in Kalispell in the Flathead Valley. I'm your host, Drew Zagorski, and today we're talking about early childhood education. With the growing workforce in the Valley, there's also a growing issue, a lack of child care resources, specifically not just babysitters, but care providers who are licensed and certified to provide a learning environment for the kids they care for. So my guest today is Kareen Kuntz, the founder and owner of the Bird's Nest Early Learning Village. Kareen grew up in Anchor Point, Alaska, where she learned to appreciate nature and small communities. She holds a bachelor's degree in business and is working on an MBA. In 2014, Kareen recognized the need for an early childhood education component to child care, so she founded the Bird's Nest. And then in early 2015, she began planning the future of what would become the Bird's Nest Early Learning Village. Kareen has a genuine passion for providing a high-quality learning environment that extends to those who work for the Bird's Nest, her educators. She's an advocate for the industry as a whole and has joined forces with legislators and advocacy organizations to drive positive change for child care programs and educators throughout Montana. Outside of the Bird's Nest, Kareen and her husband Jacob have two daughters, Jade and Miles, and together they enjoy skiing, biking, hiking, getting on the water, and spending time with family and friends. So sit tight for a minute as we learn a bit about our sponsors, and then I'll be right back with my conversation with Kareen. In the fall of 2002, four Flathead River raft guides saw an opportunity to make a difference. The group launched Nomad Global Communication Solutions with a simple but important goal, keeping people connected. Two decades later, Nomad GCS builds cutting-edge mobile operations centers for public safety, disaster response, healthcare, telecom, and defense for customers like NASA, FEMA, Verizon, and every branch of the United States military. At Nomad, the world's most advanced mobile operations centers are designed, manufactured, and integrated. One look at the state-of-the-art equipment, jaw-dropping projects in progress, and you'll understand why Nomad GCS was voted Best Manufacturer and Runner-Up Best Employer in the Daily Interlakes 2022 Best of Flathead Awards. If you'd like to learn more and work for Nomad GCS, go to nomadgcs.com. If you want connection with other businesses, to be at the heart of the Kalispell and Flathead business community, to support action for creating a vibrant, thriving, growing climate, not just for your business, but for our entire business community, you want to be part of the Kalispell Chamber. As a catalyst for business growth, a convener of business leaders and influencers, and a champion for Kalispell and the entire Flathead community, becoming part of the Kalispell Chamber is an investment in the future of your business and our community. To learn more about becoming a partner of the Chamber, call 406-758-5054. Again, the number is 406-758-5054 or go to kalispellchamber.com. So, Kareen, thanks for joining me today and uh, sharing insights on what, you know what, I believe it's a critical issue, not just for parents, but for our entire community. So, again, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to do this. My first question is this, you know, you didn't begin your career in education or child care. And I use the term child care loosely for reasons we'll get into in a bit. But I'd like you to share a little bit about your background in education and what drove you toward the business of early childhood education. So my background is in business. Um, I'm about 12 credits away from my master's in business. And 
So growing up, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I point, still don't. <laughs> I know it's yeah, it's 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 an ongoing process, right? right. Um, right. So yeah, so at one point I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, at another point, I knew I wanted to have a business of my own. I also knew I wanted to have a family. So this was an opportunity for me be, to be able to stay home with my children who at the time when I started my program were two and four, so very young, um, but also to work. Um, after about six months of of opening up my program and about 60 hours of training, I realized how important my program was to the families that I served and to my community. And there was, and, and you, and you started it, you started the program when? In 2014. Okay. We'll get into more detail there, but just to kind of set the stage, I, I was, I was curious about the year. Yep. Yep. So started it in 2014 and then in 2015, um, it really became my passion. And that's when I really started to delve into the ins and out of a high quality program and, and how I was going to grow the bird's nest over over the next decades. Okay. Now, let me go back to this child care, early childhood education thing. Um, what do we need to know about the difference, particularly about the type and level of care that both of those scenarios offer? Because they are different. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I, I refer to childcare as the program. So the bird's nest would be a childcare program and early childhood educators are responsible for the development of those young children. And actually kind of an interesting um, concept that most people don't really know is before the age of three, about 80% of a child's brain development occurs. So we're responsible okay. for 80% of their development before they even turn to three. So it's huge. Now, for first-time parents and probably a lot of veteran parents who are maybe looking for child care, child education programs, uh, it might not be really the most obvious thing with all the Googling you can do these days and referrals from friends and family, but there's a clear distinction between a licensed and a non-licensed care provider. So explain for us the difference between those, what parents should be looking for, and what questions do they need to ask when selecting a provider? Sure. So licensed child care providers um, I guess by definition in the state of Montana, child care licensing requires any caregiver who cares for three or more children, which doesn't include their own, are required to be licensed. What that means is that they have to follow child care licensing regulations. They're inspected regularly. There's, there's a lot of things that they have to do to make sure that they are um, providing a safe and stable environment for those young children. Mm-hmm. So programs that are not licensed, for example, um, preschool programs with their, which there's a lot of really great preschool programs out there, summer or school-aged programs, they don't need to be licensed. And then drop-in childcare programs don't have to be licensed. The issue with non-licensed, um, especially when it comes to drop-in childcare, is that the employee who's working may have up to 50 children without having any sort of training, and that includes CPR training. So that's kind of a scary thought, and it's a little bit puzzling to me why they're not required to be licensed. 
Okay. Now, is there any any third party resource a parent can turn to to find out if the person they're talking to about caring for their child is licensed or not? Yes. On there is a Montana licensed provider search page under the Department of Public Health and Human Services. And so parents can go there. They can see all the programs that are licensed in their area, and they can even pull all the licensing inspection reports for those programs as well. We'll we'll be sure to put a link to that in the episode notes if people are curious about it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the bird's nest. How many locations do you have today? So I currently have four in-home group programs. We've got infants in my house downstairs, and then we have kind of a young toddler, an older toddler, and a preschool location, which are located just next door and across the street, which is fantastic. Okay. And how many many children are in each group or facility and how many caregivers? Sure. So in our infant location, we have eight infants and two caregivers. In our young toddler location, we've actually had it licensed as a center. Um, We can have up to 16 children. However, we have found that that's very challenging. And so we operate closer to 12, but it still has a one to four ratio. So typically we have three to four teachers at that location. Our older toddler location, we're licensed for 15 with two caregivers. And then our preschool location, also 15 with two caregivers. Okay. I want to talk about that, you know, how many people you have as educators, how many children are in your facility. And then in in terms of the larger community, as we talked about in our first couple episodes of Venture Bowley, there's really an acute need for early childhood education providers here in Kalispell and the wider Valley. So this is becoming a huge issue, especially attracting and retaining employees, right? And I'm sure your business is no different, even though it is the business you're in. So two-part question, how are you tackling the issue uh, to staff your locations and those of your staff who have children? And then secondly, what do you think needs to change in your industry, in our community, and in education programs to drive more people into this profession? Big so, question. <laughs> yes, big question. Um, so first of all, early childhood education is a career. And honestly, I think it's one of the most important ones around. Mm-hmm. I would love to see our community and our state value it as such. I think if we all recognize the important work that these teachers are doing and find an avenue to compensate them appropriately, I think we'd see a lot more educators returning to the field. So, Corrine, there's also a child care initiative happening in the community. And in our next episode, uh, we'll be talking with Jason Cronk of Emanuel Lutheran Communities, and they're taking a lot of steps to expand seats within their child care programs, early childhood education programs. What are you seeing in the community that's happening to grow the resources in this area? You know, the chamber is really putting in a lot of effort to help make those networking opportunities um, to connect providers with churches or organizations that might be able to help support them in expanding, which is amazing. Unfortunately, the pay for childcare workers is so low that, I mean, even my program is struggling and we pay higher wages than most. So 
Um, it's just the pay is so difficult. Um, I think the average in the state right now and in our area is a little over $11 an hour. Hmm. So competing with Target and and any sort of service industry where entry-level employees can come in and start at $15, $16, $17, $18 an hour versus early childhood educators with a degree who are coming in and they're starting under $15 an hour, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of along those lines as well, childcare programs typically are looking at 80 to 85% of the tuition coming in goes towards wages. So we don't have any margin to pay more. Sure. Not a lot of meat on the bone after that. No, exactly. I think there's a lack of knowledge out there. I don't think that parents understand that although they're maybe paying $1,000 a month for one child to be enrolled in a childcare program, I don't think they realized how little that translate as far as pay for the educator. When we talk about staffing and early childhood educator pay and bringing more educators into the work field, I think that there's a lot of changes through licensing and through our community that could really positively impact that. Um, Some changes might allow programs to increase wages without increasing tuition. For example, the National Association for the Education of Young Children, or NACI, which is a program that Um, we can be accredited through, Mm -hmm. they have adult to child ratios that are actually higher than our state licensing ratios, specifically with one-year-olds, three-year-olds, and school-age students. And for my program alone, that would allow me to pay my 30 staff an extra $3 an hour without, without, yeah, without raising tuition rates. So I mean, there's some huge changes that we can implement without negatively impacting our children and the programs that they're in. Some other some other changes that I've I've kind of either brainstormed or advocated for are um, loan forgiveness programs. Early childhood educators don't qualify for any sort of loan forgiveness program that public school teachers qualify. So Mm. if educators could go to school and get their degree and not necessarily have to pay back 100% of the student loans that they take out, I mean, what a huge financial benefit for them and to keep them into the field. So Right. Almost kind of like the Peace Corps, you know, you you go serve in a community. Yeah. And Early childhood educators, they're really the workforce behind the workforce. So why aren't they considered important enough to qualify for programs like that, right? Right, right. Um, You know, there's obviously HOA restrictions that um, ban in-home child care. I personally have some experience in this area um, with my HOA trying to push me out, and I was able to tactfully persuade them, if you will. Um, And it ended up being a huge benefit to my neighborhood. Half my students enrolled were from that community. So, you know, HOAs allowing childcare to be in their communities would be such a benefit to the field. Um, 
And then even businesses partnering with childcare programs, whether it's to offer benefits or um, financial support to the programs, you know, anything like that could could lend to increased wages without increasing tuition. So, yeah. So along the lines of, for example, ABC Company has a big workforce and they want to offer as part of their benefits package, um, either a, a portion of the tuition paid or covering all of it, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's programs out there. There's even a few state-run programs um, over on the East Coast, I believe, that I've seen. I think there's a huge opportunity there. And most businesses have a little bit more profit margin to be able to contribute to childcare. And what a huge benefit for their employees too, right? And right, right. Kind of leads back to their ability to attract and retain staff. So I think there's something there as well. And I'm actually working on something to build a partnership with area businesses. And I'm, I've got some information on my website, so I won't go into too many details on that, but something that I'm brainstorming and I hope to kind of bring the community in to help me shape that. Gotcha. Have you checked out workforceflathead.com? Workforce Flathead is a collaboration between local education, business, and government partners to connect students, businesses, and employers with each other. WorkforceFlathead.com is a custom-built online home for all things workforce in the Flathead Valley. You'll find business and education resources, jobs and job fair information, links to apprenticeships, and a whole lot more. There's even a library of locally produced career videos, perfect for students and job seekers, to introduce them to career paths in Northwest Montana. To learn more, visit WorkforceFlathead.com today. Uh, my next question is, you know, there was a really fantastic thing that happened for the bird's nest this past summer. You were awarded a million dollar grant by the American Rescue Plan to expand your business. So huge congratulations on that. But I'd like you to tell us about those plans, where you're at in the process, where the new facility will be and some of the features. Yes, Drew, thank you for that. Um, it took probably a month to write that grant proposal. And I think during that time, my teachers didn't see me. So I'm very grateful for their support during that time. And it was such a relief to finally receive that award letter. We are getting ready to break ground. Um, Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we will have broken ground and we expect to complete construction in about a 10 month timeframe. Um, maybe a little sooner if everything goes well, uh, but maybe a little bit later, depending on any delays that happen. I would like to also mention that since I started planning to expand back in 2015, I had Mm -hmm. already been working on this for the last six years and gone through four expansions. So when, when I started moving forward on this expansion, um, prior to the grant process, everything really just started to fall into place very well. So um, when the grant came along, it was it was the cherry on top of the cake for us. Um, okay. And it will cover it will cover wages leading up to construction and it will cover the cost to furnish the building, which which is a huge financial relief for the program. Um, and hopefully it will allow us to keep our tuition rates as they are without having to increase them once we open. Cool. Where will this facility be? 
Yeah, so it will actually only be a half a mile away from our current location. It's west of the fairgrounds and south of Two Mile Drive. How much will this expand the number of children that you can serve and then attracting all those teachers to help out with that? Yeah, so that'll be the challenging part, right? Um, so it we expect to double the size of our program initially, um, bringing us wow. up to 100 students, yeah. And then eventually, as we kind of settle in and determine classroom sizes that are best for the children and best for our teachers, um, we may go up to 120 year-round students. And then we also hope to offer a summer nature camp during um, during that summer break for our school-age students. It would be an outdoor-only program. So our lot consists of four acres, and at the back of it runs Spring Creek, surrounded by a bunch of beautiful, huge trees for exploring. And there's actually even a kind of a vein of cattails that runs along the southeast corner of the property. So I expect that the kids will get tons of great outdoor time and exploration going on. Nice, nice. So again, in construction, you know how that goes. If everything goes perfectly and according to plan, you'll be opening the doors when? In the fall? So kind of the latest that my contractor expects to have any delays put us would be December, 2023. So we're kind of shooting for any time between September and December of this next year. Okay. And now what about the process for parents registering or applying for the program? How far in advance are you going to start opening that up? So we will have in our current program, we will have some spaces open up in June and then typically in September. So we'll continue to fill those spots leading up to the grand opening. Um, And typically I will start to do tours a couple months in advance. So probably March and April, you'll start to see some information about tours and I'll start reaching out to our waitlist families Anybody who wants to join the waitlist can just go to our website, fill out a waitlist application. I do have over 170 students on the waitlist currently, so we may not have room for everybody, even with doubling our capacity. Right. Speaks to the need. Yes, exactly. Luckily, though, we do enroll a lot of part-time kiddos, and the majority of the kiddos on my waitlist are part-time, so... Who knows? There is a chance we might be able to get everybody in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Corrine, is there anything else you'd like to share about early childhood education that folks should know? Yeah. So, parents out there that are struggling to pay, there is the Best Beginnings program that they can apply for. And I know that the income eligibility is fairly low. So, there's a lot of families that are stuck in that middle ground. And I think that's where reaching out to employers to look back at potentially employee-sponsored benefits might be something to bring up. I don't know. I don't think that families should bear the financial strain of increased tuition, but at the same time, providers need to maintain a stable business. And in order to do that, they're going to have to raise tuition rates to keep their growth. 
I think ultimately our childcare system's not benefiting childcare providers, but it's also not benefiting our families. So I think there needs to be a lot of advocating in place to make changes for this industry for sure. Maybe this is along those same lines, but as we wrap up here, what would you like to see for your business over the next five years? You know, I would love to be able to offer scholarships to some of my families that are outside of that income eligibility for the Best Beginnings program. Um, I would love to be able to offer more community events, whether it's um, parenting classes or workshops, things to kind of bring families together. I do, like I said, I offer a lot of part-time positions. I would love to see parents networking to maybe share one day a week and they take another family's children one day and the other family takes theirs um, Mm -hmm. so that they can just have part-time care. Their children are exposed to that socialization and, and, and education, but it's easier on their budget. Takes a village, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now what about uh, Kalispell as a whole? What would you like to see in Kalispell for the next five years? You know, I think it's headed in the right direction. The The rails to trails, addition is bringing more restaurants and shops into downtown Kalispell. I'd love to see that continue. I think from a childcare perspective, my hope is that city zoning and HOA freedoms, I guess, would be revisited to allow for childcare centers to open up in more areas. Corrine, you know, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and have this really important conversation. And beyond that, I really want to thank you for all you've done and are planning to do for the families and children in our communities. Super important work. So thank you for all of that. Folks, to learn more about the Bird's Nest Early Learning Village, you can visit online at thebirdsnestelv.com. That's thebirdsnestelv, as in victor.com. We'll put a link to that in the episode notes, along with a link to the provider search and the Best Beginnings program. So thanks to all our listeners for listening to this episode of Venture Bowley, the podcast of the Discover Kalispell Chamber. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic and about the podcast in general. You can listen at kalispellchamber.com forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can reach us via the contact page at kalispellchamber.com or through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kalispell Chamber. Next time on Venture Bowley, you'll want to tune in for my conversation with the president and CEO of the 2022 Discover Kalispell Chamber Nonprofit of the Year, Jason Kronk of Emanuel Lutheran Community. I'm your host, Drew Zagorski. She's Corrine Kuntz of the Bird's Nest Early Learning Village. Venture Boldly, friends. Appearance on the Venture Boldly podcast does not constitute an endorsement of goods or services. The Venture Boldly podcast is a production of the Discover Kalispell Chamber and is produced by the Chamber in partnership with Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing. You can find the Discover Kalispell Chamber at kalispellchamber.com and Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing at lbrbm.com.